Okay, thank you for coming. <laughs> I know there's people in the audience going, is he serious? Because this is cool. I'm going to move from the, the pulpit to this chair for a little bit because I want to talk to you one-on-one, as if I was right in front of you. Today, we're going to talk about a really special piece of the Bible. It's known as Acts chapter 8. And it's about Philip, this amazing guy, who came across an African eunuch. And so right now you're probably saying, okay. But I want you to kind of purge everything, if you could, and just think about what this chapter is going to provide you. This is about evangelism. Now, some people think that to be an evangelist, I really need to be very good and on top of my game. I should probably go through 10 years of seminary. But we're not all like that. In fact, some of the folks that go to seminary would not consider that to be their strongest spiritual gift. The Lord is going to talk to you through this chapter. The Lord is going to say this. It doesn't matter who you are, how young you are, how seasoned you are, how smart you are. I need to use you for my glory. I need to use you to bring people to my cloak. So I'm going to give you some personal stories, and I'm going to give you some um, tough stories. But they're all going to be used for God's glory. When I was uh, just coming to Christ was all excited, and I had a few bits of... Am I in the wrong space? We had a few bits of... uh, Let me do that. We had a few bits of information in me, and I was just uh, knowledgeable enough to be dangerous. And so I couldn't wait for the first person I could evangelize to. So on a plane ride to a business trip, I'm thinking, where are they? Lord, put him right next to me. And all I got was a crying child. So now he's working on my patience, right? We get to this little city called New Orleans, which is a challenge in itself for many reasons. And so I made it a point to go to this magnificent restaurant called Paul Prudhomme's Restaurant. Has anybody ever been to Paul Prudhomme's Restaurant? This guy can cook Cajun like it's no one's business. And so while I'm in there, it's packed. And, of course, I went in there late, about 8 o'clock. And there was only one space open, and it was at the bar. I said, hey, you mind if I sit over there? I can eat there, right? And he said, sure, you can. So I went over there. I ordered my meal. I just happened to sit next to this gentleman. And we started having a conversation. I'm looking for my entrance. I've got all this practice and experience of worship about this much. I'm going to let this guy have it. Can't wait. So he says, so what do you do for a living? And I told him I was a businessman. And I said, what do you do for a living? And he goes, I'm a scientist. So there's a challenge there right away with evangelism and science, right? And then he says, I'm a Jewish scientist. So I got God's sense of humor at that moment. And I asked God, I remember asking God my inner spirit, is there an atheist in the group <laughs> that I could go to, Lord? It might be an easier conversation. All I had was the story of me, ordinary me, who just jumped on a plane to do business. 
had the courage of the Lord to just go to a place I didn't know and to sit next to a Jewish scientist. <clears throat> so I provided him my testimony. He provided me his testimony. Now, if you've ever been with a Jewish scientist before, your testimony may go 15 minutes. Theirs is going to go two and a half hours. <clears throat> I didn't care because I was loving the conversation. Before we left, he said, I know your thoughts were probably about converting. And I said, i got to tell you the truth. My thoughts were about getting through this. But I'm glad we had the time together. You see, the Lord will use your amazing life and all the struggles you've been through and all the joys you can count most recently and beyond. That's your evangelism. So you didn't go to seminary. So you took a few classes. If you were one second as a believer in this church, you're responsible for the gospel. We have the four gospels. But there's another gospel that we call uh, out in the Old Testament that we're going to talk about today. It's going to enlighten yourself to a whole new idea, a whole new spectrum. Be bold enough to listen well. Be bold enough to take this and go somewhere with it. Even if you practice on a rock, it'll bounce off and hit somebody. <laughs> I guarantee it. One of the toughest places we had to evangelize, my wife and I, is the Native American reservations. That's tough. That's where you test yourself and you find out how you fell and got up. You find out how strong you'll be with rejection and you'll find out how to evangelize through the addictions. And when you go back to where you're living or staying, it's just you and God wiping your tears getting you stronger for the next day. Some people say evangelism is too hard. Check your heart on that. Because Satan wants you to think that. Satan wants you to say, not today. We're not here to support Satan. He's been asked to stay at bay from this audience today. But when you walk out that door, he's going to be right there. Don't do it. Don't do anything with this message. Be afraid. Don't share your life. And I win. But today, through our worship, through our prayer, we prepared your mind and your soul for this message. It is not a message from Tim Perry. It's a message from Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's just using me as a widget to get the message to you. And your personality, your experiences are going to do amazing things on the earth. So go home and look at your home front. What should be different? Go home and look at your professional life or your business life. What should be different? Go home and look at your family. Look at your wife straight in the eye. What should I be doing for you in evangelism? I'm going to pray in just one second, and I'm going to ask Pastor Richard, you out there still? Come on up, brother. <clears throat> Richard and I serve nationwide chaplains, and uh, we go into the homes in the worst of times and try and bring love and peace and grace to a broken family. 
two years ago, Richard helped the family get through a very trying moment. And it's this church is in contact with them. That's a praise. Last night, a child took his life. There was no sense of Jesus. There was no hope. There was just problem after problem after problem with all the toys in life that you could have. So between the praise and between the sorrow of parents waking up this very morning and she's not there, what could I have done? Somewhere in between is this message. So I'm going to ask Richard to start the prayer. I'll close the prayer. and We're just going to pray for all of you to hear this message. We're also going to pray for the families that we put hands on, that we touch with the heart of the hands on a daily basis. You start. Hey, Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, just to share our story with people around us. I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to uh, be a part of the work that you're doing in our community. And um, God, just thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and for the opportunity we have to be salt and light uh, to lives of people around us. Uh, God, you have uh, called us out. We are not our own. We have a we have a purpose. And I thank you for the story you're writing in our lives, the opportunity we have to share that with others. I thank you for Tim and just for his leadership and for the work that you're doing through NCS and for the opportunity we have just to be uh, a presence in this community. Uh, and people uh, have needs in their lives in this way. And so I lift this family up to you that... Um, just lost their uh, uh, child to you this past weekend. And um, God, every day is a gift, and uh, we have an opportunity to, uh, to share the love and the hope of Christ with others around us. And uh, God, I just thank you for uh, the work that you're doing in us. In Christ's name. Heavenly Father, receive our sin. Let nothing be between us. Let, we, let us be so authentic that nothing would be between us. Lord, we thank you for giving us the ministry of helping people get through grief. The ministry of helping people celebrate joy. Through the weddings and the funerals and the grief council and the tragic situations, you send us. And we thank you for a church that supports us, prays for us. So now, Lord, we ask that this message of evangelism go through everybody and let them understand the evangelists they are. In your gracious and heavenly name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Father. A little disappointed there weren't any egg casseroles in the green room uh, this morning, Richard, but uh, it was good. Uh, it was good to sit with everybody in the in the pre-meeting. Evangelism has been the hallmark of our skills as Christians. We just may not have known it. We read books, attend conferences, maybe a few videos, and when we go on mission trips, we might brush up on a few things here and there. Not all people are excited about evangelism, mainly because of the rejection. What we lack is knowledge and prayer to do the impossible with the incredible. Today I want to teach you about Philip the Evangelist and the African eunuch, so that you can see the vision of God in their life when they didn't know anything about where they were going, only to find out it was amazing. In a short time, I'd like to encourage you with internal and external motivators. This call is on all believers. This is not an option for you all. 
This is not a, a spiritual gifts question so much as it is, when will you do this? All of you are believers. Some are moving their way towards that. And some are just wondering about this whole spectrum. You, the believer, have to be acting out on sharing the gospel in some way. This is the mandate by the Trinity to go out to the earth in your personal and professional life in your own little Jerusalem. The barriers that will hold you back are owned by Satan, as I said. The dark one would love nothing better for you to give up. We will refuse to cop out for Christ, only to make Satan happy. Imagine if we said to Jesus' face, can you send somebody else? I got a thing going on. I'm a little busy. My sciatic is acting up. Whatever it is, could you imagine the face of Jesus receiving your response? It's no different than today. You just can't see the face, but the Spirit is indwelled, so he hears that voice. I want to take a few tips from Philip's playbook that may help us. I want to show you a few things that Philip did as I lay this upon the scriptures. First, the Lord's plan for the messenger. I want to talk about the models that we have as messengers, the resources and the rewards as messengers. And then I'm going to present to you the big reveal. Remember, the decision for you not to talk is critical. There's a life out there that could be saved. Richard and I both worked on an individual who was absolutely devoid of help and was so inward focused, there was nothing but pain. I want to remind you that his life was in jeopardy. There was a gun pointed to his head. That's the life that we live. And today, because of God's grace, God's counselors, God's ministers, he's in a whole new life. And he was baptized. You could say praise God, or you could say clap, or you could say great. Whatever it is, show me that you're here. So remember, the power of the, the word can take you many places. It can take you nowhere if you don't know it, if you don't read it. Acts chapter 8, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south uh, on the south road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's about 50 miles away and it's just pure desert. If you take the south road and go west, it's desert. If you take the west road and go south, it's nice mountains and a, a beach scenery on the way down. It's a whole different thing. Well, so he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of uh, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Now, this is interesting. We're in the New Testament. He's reading the Old Testament, and he's focusing on Isaiah. We're going to tell you just a little bit why. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Now that's the closest I can get to the Aramaic translation. Go and join that chariot. So what, what he was intending was, get in the chariot. Don't just be beside it. Get in there. 
When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. This is what Isaiah said. He was led like a sleep, I'm sorry, sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shear. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who will describe his generation for his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself and another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from the scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And a scripture that was added later in the, in the world. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water as he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Nazareth, and he was traveling and evangelizing all the way in all the towns up until Caesarea. Now, some of these towns that you see in the Bible, um, you'll be shocked to know that they no longer exist. They're just ruins now. They were amazing gateways. They were like the New Yorks of their day, the Chicagos of their day. And now they lay in rubble. And people would have said back in that time, what a great city, this will never end. The thoughts of man. The author, of course, in Acts is, uh, is Luke. He wrote Luke and Acts, and he often kept them together as one book for a while. We know it was Luke because we study the Christology, um, which is the understanding of Christ's nature. We study the eschatology, which is the last things. And we study the apostleship. And from these things and many more, we can find out who the writer is. Now, when Richard Wellard writes me a note, I know it's his spirit. I can hear it. When my wife writes me a note, she signs it management. She's a smart woman. But I know her spirit. And so when we have to decide who wrote what for the benefit of you and validation, it's important to get this right. So Luke writes this book right around uh, 30 A.D. The ministry is broken up in two areas, the ministry of Peter in Jerusalem and Samaria, and, and for Paul and his missionary Jewish, uh, journeys throughout Rome. I want to give you the, the Lord's plan for the messenger in context to the scripture, in context to your life. Philip, a non-Palestinian Jew, was a noble man used by God to provide worship. Only Jerusalem Jews were in the early church. The non-Palestinian Jews were of Greek tongue. There are four different men named Philip in the Bible. Two were the sons of uh, one of the King Herod's. There was also a disciple or, or an apostle uh, named Philip who joined the twelve. But then there was this evangelist named Philip. So it's very important to know who we're talking about. So this is Philip the evangelist. So in context, we see the Israeli Jews were not taking care of the non-Israeli Jewish widows. And so the church got together and said, we need to send somebody there to take care of them, to provide food. And Philip was that man. So 
provision, supplies, and a team. Philip was in charge of that. And back then, that was a tremendous responsibility. He did something that was uh, repeatable. He prepared for his assignment, practiced uh, his assignment, and was successful at his, his assignment. And then he received his next assignment. See, that's what we do in this life as we get an assignment, we've been preparing for it, we, we tackle it, and then we get another assignment. So if I take you back to the first two verses of our reading, the Holy Spirit is at work here. You know when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, or the question is, do you? The last time I spoke here was July 9th, and we were talking about uh, Paul and Malta and going through the seas. So let's look at this. He's in storms. He's in fear. He has vipers crawling over and biting him with no impact. And then he's preaching, and soon he has peace wherever he goes. The gospel teaches in a laboratory called Earth. Earth is muddy. People are messy. The question is, will you do this? Will you send the gospel? When the Lord told us in Scripture that he got up and went, there was an Ethiopian man named the eunuch. And so what we're given here is the, the eunuchs were uh, people that were castrated. And people that were castrated could not go to the church to worship. They were set apart. But I want you to know that eunuchs were used to take care of female societies so that there would be no feelings or urges they would have the eunuchs taking care of them. They're also in charge of managing a great deal of money. In this particular instance, this person was running a, a great deal of sums. So ladies, let me ask you, can I borrow your wallets? I just want to hold on to them for a few years. Men, can I borrow your 401ks and your pension plans? I just want to run those for about 50, 60 years. Only these were large cities, and they were managing the money. So a lot of responsibility was placed you know, this, this eunuch decided to go from Ethiopia, which is northeast Africa, near the boot of Saudi Arabia, all the way up to Jerusalem, which could be a three-week or a 30-day trip or more. A tremendous um, commitment because they would have needed money, provision, permission, documents. They would need a team to carry all your things. This was a major journey. Somebody gave this eunuch tremendous responsibility and endorsement. And when he was reading in the chariot, he was reading out of uh, 53, chapter 53 out of Isaiah. We all went astray like sheep. We have turned away your own. And the Lord has punished them for this iniquity. So he's going through this and he's wondering, who is this beautiful person that does all this? Written so many times ago. It's a question I ask myself. <clears throat> how is it that this Bible of 1,500 authors and contributors over 1,100 chapters, over 25,000 verses, sent to all countries, translated in all these languages. How is it that it's still here today? But how is it that it makes a desert of a eunuch from Africa? And how is it that Philip gets the assignment? We have to ask ourselves, what are the resources of the messenger? And in, in, in some of our prayers and some of our um, singing today, we are talking about, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. If someone didn't feel Holy Spirit walking through a desert, hot, 100-degree desert, 
looking for somebody you've never met and not sure where it's at, Holy Spirit is there. Now, I'm sure uh, there might have been a thought or two as, as to Philip going there because he was very successful as an evangelist in Samaria and so many other places. People were scattered, and he was really hitting those places, and it was working. What would we say? I need you to go to the desert. Be strong, but trust me, I got this. Our other resources would be wise counsel, spiritual gifts, prayer, spiritual leaders, pastors, and so many resources today. You as the evangelist have so many resources today. The rewards of the messenger are are really quite amazing. You get wisdom and knowledge from heaven, from the finest evangelist there ever was. And all you have to do is believe and ask for it. And you have power. If this eunuch would have read two more chapters down, and I'm certain he did. Remember, the Bible is, is sufficient. It tells us what we need to know. It's not complete here on earth until we get to the Lord's side of heaven. So when we say he read 53 about Jesus, I'm certain he would have read 56. Listen to what it says. For the Lord says this, For the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and chooses what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them my house. So all of a sudden the eunuch who's been traveling and been He's thinking that God doesn't even want to pay attention to him. He doesn't even love me. He reads this and goes, wait a minute. It's a whole new game. I get to come in. How do I get there? Who does this? I've got to find somebody. Listen, there are, there are people out there in the desert that need you. Tell them how Christ got here. Tell them what he did in your life. It's your testimony that preaches. It will never miss unless it's about just you. So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news. This is the preparation stuff. Philip, the evangelists, in many of our churches, do not understand they must be able to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't pass it off. I heard one, one t-shirt said, get the bread, get the wine, hang in there. Okay. Kind of a pithy saying, kind of gets you interested, and somebody off the street may say, what's that about? It might work. I will tell you this, that some of the statements of 10 and 20 years ago might not be as effective because the languages have changed. What am I talking about? Anybody ever asked you, do you know where you're going if you die? 25 years ago, when I first came to Christ, that might have been an effective statement. But time has changed. Language has changed. Distractions have changed. That might not be the most effective thing you could say. So find out what would be. In, in Richard and my relationship with police and firefighters, that is our evangelism. It's the relationship. So there they go down the coast. And Philip says, if you believe with your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God from his reading, from wise counsel, from their conversation, their translation. It created a big reveal, and here's the big reveal. When someone's baptized, they stand before heaven and earth, and they say, I'm with Jesus. When that gentleman I told you about was baptized, Richard and I were lifted amazingly. That is when Satan says, 
I'm coming after you. You're weak. You're young. You don't know what you should know. I'm coming after you. But the great almighty loving God says, no, not ready. I decide what happens on this earth. So God has filled our road with mission and duty. He's taught us to surrender, endure pain, and experience joy. I see the big reveal for Philip in this situation is victory. God sent Philip, he accepted victory. God sent a messenger of knowledge, he accepted victory. God sent water to baptize in the desert? Does anybody think this is a a story that's not true? It's a fable? In the desert, there's enough water to totally immerse somebody. And he wasn't done yet. In verse 39, he says, When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him. Philip is swept away. But he hasn't disappeared from the earth because we see him evangelizing up the coast. But imagine this. You come out of the water, and the one that puts you in the water is gone. No, no pastor would ever leave a celebration of a baptism. They went all about that. You come out of the water, the water runs down, you're breathing, and you see the pastor and your loved ones. But imagine this. It's just the two of them in the water. And when he comes up, water goes down, and there's nobody there. Now, some people might be sad with that. But this eunuch is, I'm a believer. I'm with Christ. And Philip, on his way, in the great spirit that he has, is thinking this. That was so cool. Thank you, Jesus. I knew there was going to be something great at the end of this thing. I love you so much. Well, personally, I think God has a sense of humor. To Imagine if, if uh, Richard was being baptized and I put him under and, and I hid below the pool. That would be you know, my sense of humor. But Jesus has a sense of humor with mission and vision. When we surrender to the Lord for this mission, our faith grows stronger through obedience. Obedience begets blessings, and blessings beget joy. Every one of us should have a purpose statement, a kingdom dream statement. Here's mine. As a counselor, here is my purpose statement. God has given me the gift of shepherding to move his creation from darkness to light. And when I lead people closer to faith and salvation... God is glorified, and I feel pure joy. Was it tough to be in that house yesterday with that family suffering? Absolutely. Was I in pure joy that I got to minister to people that were hurting so badly? Absolutely. In review and close of our day, I just want to reiterate what Philip went through, what you could go through. The Lord has a plan for the messenger. Get ready for your assignment. Don't be weak. Don't fall back. What are our models? They're Philip and so many others. There's a million people on the earth that share their model of how they give the gospel. You have your own message. Go get that message. What are your resources? Pastors, prayer, courses, group ministries, they're all around us. There's a million places on the internet. And then what is the big reveal? You get to be a vessel for the great commandment, a seed planter, and you get to see the results of your Lord, his promise for heaven. 
you get to wear the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. But what if you don't? What if you decide to say no to the maker of heaven and earth? Then the world will teach us what happens. Lost minds and lives will lead to destruction. Remember our opening story, someone that had no hope. The only number that should be concerned to you is the number one. One more life saved. One more life as a saint. One more soul for Jesus. Go read this message. Apply it to your life and do something different. Because if you say no, there's amazing ramifications. Let me close in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this message and this time together. I pray, Lord, that your voice has gone through me to the hearts of everyone, man, woman, child, that they have to go out and do something with this, Lord, that they have to be so strong as to test their faith. They have to be so strong to take on rejection. But let them be smart enough just to plant seeds, seeds that could save lives. No one could save the earth quite like you. All praise, all honor to you. Amen.